0: Genius all the time in a major media and I never realized that relationship between ethos and genius and, and so I thought, hmm so maybe maybe the gift of of baptism was an enlightened mind which that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, he, you know, well, it, it does, and I, I never even considered it until I saw your, your etymology for the word genius, and I'm thinking, yeah, when, when he says that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, um, he's imparting to the believing, baptized, uh, acknowledging, accepting, trusting believer. He's, he's imparting more of his spirit to us. And that spirit is to is to live in the will of the Father as the Son lived in the will of the Father. And that, in living that's in the our, will in the you
0: No, know, I was just gonna say that's our hope. It's in Pandora's box.
1: Yeah, yeah well look living around in it, the will, and living in the will of the Father is the obligation. That's what he came and he said, I do my father's will. You don't do my father's will, yet you profess that you do do my father's will. And since the beginning of wisdom is the love of God, the acknowledgement of God, the observation of him in the creation, and the reverence for him and his created and creation, then uh, therein is the wisdom. Therein is a genius. Therein is the gene us.
0: Yeah, and and another thing was, I don't know how I got there, but I I looked up idioms. You know, we were talking here a while back about the language, and another definition of an idiom is best I can tell it's like a code Uh, it can be words that well it is words that are peculiar to the situation but it can be words much like Jesus said he spoke in parables (laughs) because he didn't want other people to, to know what he was talking about
1: Exactly. And, so, and not under, not understanding the idioms of the day, you know, the general phraseology and language of the day, it's like the it word handic- prisoner that we – excuse me, go ahead.
0: I'm just going to say it handicaps you if you don't have the definition of the idioms of the day. Absolutely. You're You're, you're, you're just to speculate.
1: If you and I were going to were to be called into uh, a military um, conference,
2: mm-hmm. they would be
1: using all sorts of terms and terminology mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would be Greek in in many yeah. ways uh, to us. We would not understand the language, or mm-hmm. very little of it would be understood because we don't spend and haven't spent 20 years learning the language, and the medium, so to speak. hmm
0: Well, uh, just wanted to report to you that we were in the middle of an earthquake this afternoon at about 5, 5, close, 4.50. Oh. And uh, actually, there was two of them. Now, they were 3.5. 4 and 3.6, but it certainly got our attention, and um, who knows what God has in store for this land, you know, when you feel one of those, you you think, um, who, better, better really s- Try to focus in on what you should be doing in life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so when was the last time that we are under the understanding that West Texas had a earthquake? Uh,
0: I've lived here uh, 62.75 years. And uh, 20 years ago, we had a little shaker, never close to us this one was not far from our building actually I mean but we we've heard rumbles and felt vibration and um, that's what you'll read about or listen to when you hear that guy's lecture I sent you his ideas about uh, vibration and harmony and, and the effects of that on your thinking and, uh, well, you know, it's
1: just... you and I have had a little bit of a conversation in the past about music, and uh-huh. um, there's no there's no doubt uh, that I I think I concur with you that um, musical talent um, in the brain, if you will, is a mm-hmm. cognitive skill that uh, you know I, I don't know exactly what I want to say about it, but it, it has um, a different um, set of cognitive skills that that I think get acquired, and people that don't have music abilities, they, they they miss some of that, and I don't know that it makes them any less of an individual or anything, but I think there's there's quite a bit of, of gift in that. Um, you know, music awareness and cognitive aspects of, of what music does for an individual, and, um, but you know.
0: But I also want to introduce uh, what his lecture is on is um, thinking and the process of thinking and logic, and he, he makes a good uh, presentation. That's why I sent it. However... When you hear these people talk about problem solving, they never introduce evil. It's like evil doesn't exist in their world. And I think that could be because a lot of them don't experience uh, the ghetto, for lack of a better term. Uh, he did He did address fear and how it nullifies any any ambition you might have, fear is your biggest enemy. But when you talk about pure evil, you ha- that has to be a factor in your strategy. Wouldn't you agree to solving yeah. a problem? And so when he's talking about analysis and breaking down all the Small issues, uh, that's a huge issue in terms of uh, global warming or any of these big things. Uh, Evil people can concoct pretty weird scenarios and make you think it's true. You know, you've heard of a snake oil salesman. It's just kind of on a uh, bigger scale, but it still works, doesn't it?
1: Well, yeah, and that's a good point uh, by way of analogy. Good evening, Isaac. Um, Good evening. By way of of analogy, you can use the snake oil salesman thing because, you see, what you have right now in America, all over the world, frankly, is you have the accusations being made by academia against their own in academia calling the quacks quacks or calling professional academics and so forth that have years and years of credentialed research papers and so forth behind their names. And yet they are considered the quacks now, while um, the others are the ones that uh, know best what's best for you. And what we see in that is that those individuals that are doing that are, as you say, you know, representing evil. That is absolutely evil. How do you do that to a fellow man if that is not evil? I mean, it's one thing to kick a a guy who's down um, just because he's down and you think you're superior. But now you look at people on what you would say is an even playing field in terms of their academic credentials, and now you kick those and you make them uh, sub, subhuman, essentially, and their credentials of no effect. That, to me, is the essence of pure evil. So when I look yeah. at scriptures that are talking about loving and looking at things, I, I believe that Christ was emphatically showing us exactly that evil in, in that human sense, is that the, the, the evilness of humans says, I love my brother, all the while he's striking the brother. And that's what we see repeated throughout the the Old Testament is is God's complaint about the oppression and the wickedness being practiced by the very people he was holding by the hand, guiding by the hand and instructing by the hand in the ways and the will of the Father. Then when he comes in the form of his only begotten son, he shares that same Empathy to humanity that humanity itself cannot even apparently muster up out of its you know its its little index or its little finger or anything and um, this is the essence as you were talking about the word and talking about genius and the etymology of it it's just like we ran into last week in First uh, Peter three eighteen with the word prisoners. Um, that same word prisoners is used in Job, and if we're going to give it a new connotation in the New Testament versus the connotation that it's held throughout all of the Scripture, um, and maybe it has one or two connotations, but if we're going to ascribe to it a whole new connotation because of interpretation, as Jeremiah said, you know, it seems like oftentimes things are subject to interpretation, but no, you can can make things subject to interpretation. The question is, are you subjecting them to your interpretation or actually are you really literally defining and seeking for the understanding or are you just interpreting? So when you have the same word prisoner, that is that Job is using in say for example Job three seventeen and, and eighteen I believe it's three eighteen and then you have Peter using the word prisoners in three eighteen or nineteen in First uh, Peter I think it was that Isaac brought up last week and you're going to ascribe to it a whole new connotation and going to neglect and and, you know, have no knowledge that those who were captives and those who were prisoners, prisoners of the sure and certain death, um, that's the Israelites because they'd been cast off and divorced, and there was no reconciling with God. Even though he had said that he was going to be of God to them the other, uh, forever, the the Israelites must have felt, understanding that story, that that. Information that they had held to all those years um, and to be divorced and cast off and, and put away from their lands and so forth, when that knowledge of Jesus, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, our God with us, as Isaiah prophesied, then it, it, when that good news was being made known by the apostles and Jesus himself in the land of Jerusalem, this began the whole new paradigm for them in their mind that not only was it indeed possible for God to do this, he did indeed do it. And not only did he indeed do it, it proved to them without any doubt whatsoever that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is in fact The god of gods and it's just so rewarding and refreshing but yeah i didn't get a chance to to watch your video yet but i'll take a look at it but um your word etymology on genius uh, being a spiritual um you know connection absolutely boy oh boy when when he imparts that holy spirit to the baptized believer it opens up those doors to understanding. And that is what he said would happen. And uh, it's unfortunate because I see so many people, and this is not to pat a back or to somehow you know, thumb your suspenders as if you're somehow greater, because what you want everybody to be able to see as you share these things with them is that God wants you to have this access. and. He's given you the path, and the church world took that path away. They took it away in sprinkling and doing it when you were an infant, and all these other things that have taken away that ability for you as a as a young adult coming of age to be able to make that decision to lay down in that watery grave of baptism, to be raised up in newness of life, and to walk therein in the wisdom that the Holy Spirit imparts to you day by day, and, and instructs, guides, and, uh, and, and motivates your, your footsteps. So um, it, it just there's just more to it sometimes, and you're trying to share those things with people, and especially baptism, and it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other, and it's not considered as being, you know, relevant because of all the, the, the same things that have been done in the church world, which is believe only, you know. Jesus says, if you believe, you know, and, and so therefore that's considered as, well, that's all I got to do, or, you know, uh, these various things that they're you can have pieces or something and cling to that hope and that trust but he wants you to rise to the you know to the level of a greater uh, understanding and acknowledgement uh, and association with him i guess is you know, lack of a better you, word you he just
0: he just brought up a thought for me uh, about trying to live righteous yeah. you know the, the, the lawyer practices law, the doctor practices medicine and the Christian ought to practice Christianity shouldn't he
1: I mean yeah. Amen. In,
0: in a similar way um, in other words daily seeking for the truth and so you're your uh, physician's desk manual is the bible and when you uh you encounter strange situations you go see what the bible has to say how to fix it i mean that's a yeah, and, that's a very and good your analogy.
1: yeah and you and your military code of justice
0: yeah
2: absolutely
1: you know, Absolutely. And you, think, you think you think about this guy who spoke out about being abandoned by his commanders. You know, and so he's going to be court-martialed because he didn't he didn't follow the you know the law, and the law says you don't do this or you don't do that. But then there's a law that says you don't have to obey an unlawful law order. But wait a minute. Mm-hmm they've written laws preventing you from doing what the man did. So what do you do when you have laws that are made? In other words, the entire law structure says, you must do it this way, go up this chain of command, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that law is repugnant to or counter to justice. And this is what God's trying to you know, lay the groundwork for repeatedly throughout scripture. When you when you keep adding laws upon laws of man's laws, you you make God's laws now of no effect. So there is no military justice for this guy because he can't do anything. He can't say anything. He can't go going to an upline stream or whatever else goes nowhere because that's the chain of command if you bring it to the guy above you and the guy above you doesn't do anything for you then where do you stand you stand without justice it would be the same way of going into a court of law which god with jesus actually conveys and says you know you go to law with each other but you know the law the the law judge is crooked you know that if if you don't uh do according to what the judge then says. Says you know you're going to be thrown into a prison or anything else, even though you should have been given justice. It's not going to happen there because there is no more justice there. The law is written in such a way that there is no there is no justice. Uh, it's just over and over and over and over again in the scriptures shows us that unjust laws are, are at best um, man's worst examples of uh, disobedience to God. And if if we, if we're going to teach everybody that they don't need to be obedient to the command, because those commands were done away, those commands were put away, those commands were nailed to the cross, and things of that nature. Then, what is the point? And and as we get into this thing on uh, what happens when one dies, I think you know there's another thing that I I was going to bring out. Um, you know, when we were doing some studies on Satan, the devil, and, and so forth. I, I put forward 81, I think it was, uh, uh, thesis regarding the things that you're required to believe. And that's there as, as a way of, of reference for us to, to ask ourselves these serious questions about the things that we've either been taught to believe or the things that we are believing. And... When you go back to 1 Peter 3.18, you go to 1 Corinthians 15, and you're looking at Paul's words in, in uh, Thessalonians, you're looking at Paul's word, Peter's words in Peter, you, and, and, and James's words as well in the book of James. And I have to ask this one very important question. It's another one of those questions that, that you, you, have to, you have to get an answer to in your mind in order to to be able to move forward. If what Paul believed was that to be absent in the body was to be present with Christ, and he actually yearned to have death, then why didn't Paul just go ahead and commit suicide? And therefore, instead of having 3,000 baptized plus at the day of Pentecost, then why wasn't there a mass suicide? You know, a Jonestown in Jerusalem. You can imagine what the Roman authorities would have done with these guys that carried out that uh, program with the with the masses, right? Right. And so, it's a really important it's a really important question that you know you have to take time to to consider and think about. At least, I think in order to evaluate where it is that your thinking is at where your stinking thinking might have been and where you need your thinking to get on track, you know? So, anyhow, uh, Isaac's there. Good evening, Isaac, uh, and good evening, Rich. And uh, Mm -hmm. um, we kind of opened up the door here and got underway. Yep, I hear you, Isaac. So... Isaac, you were moving through some scriptures, and I guess I'm going to say, why don't we go ahead and get to them?
2: Sure. Uh, Um, Yeah, last week we were on uh, 1 Peter 3.18, like you mentioned, Uh, and the next one that I have is, let's see, oh, I didn't pull this one up yet. Let me, I have most of these pulled up, but I missed one of them. Let me grab another one quick. I have written down uh, John 3.13. So let me get my uh, context here. Yeah, that's a good one. John John 3.13, right. Let's see. I'll start at... Where should I start? I'll just... And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things. Verily, verily I say unto thee, we speak that sorry, we speak that we do not we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that come that come down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So this is before Jesus' death. Uh, Jesus, uh, at this time of this writing, is going to be the first person to die and be resurrected and ascend to heaven, right? And so this is at least telling us that, at the time of this writing, encompassing everyone that has died uh, up to the up to this point, everyone in the Old Testament who's died, none of those people have ascended to heaven. That's what that says to me. Right? Do You see any problems with that? Uh, no, I don't. So that's an easy one. <laughs> And next, we have Luke 23,
1: 43. Say again. Uh, Luke 23,
2: 43. 23, 43. Yeah, so this one, this one's interesting. Uh, so this is Jesus on the cross uh, with the uh, criminals around him also on the crosses or right. crucified, I guess okay. I'll say. Um, so I'll start at 40. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. So it's the one of the thieves talking about Jesus to the other criminals that are uh, being punished. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into the kingdom into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So, should we take that literally? What does paradise mean? That well, is the question I have, that I have for this. I
0: have yeah, go a go thought ahead. That, that just came into my mind. God's God, and God does whatever God does wants to do so I never really thought of God could have just been because of this man in this particular situation knows noticed his heart and, and told the man you know you can be reconciled in this instance I don't know that it necessarily means everybody in mankind You know what I'm saying? This was a set of circumstances here. But that's just a thought. So I'm not the grand poobah of all this background. But we know that God spared Cain. And Cain clearly had earned the death penalty, didn't he?
2: Yeah, there are definitely lots of exceptions to the laws
0: uh, being made by God. Yeah, if God made them, I guess he can, he made them for us, for our benefit. Yeah. And he truly, truly doesn't want anybody to perish, you you know, that's not his people. So that was just something that came to me, Isaac.
2: Yeah, got it. Yeah, another interesting uh, example of that would be Abraham being told to sacrifice his own son. And that was before the Ten Commandments, right? That was before there was a commandment, you shall not murder, but you shall not kill. Uh, But he he heard a voice telling him, go sacrifice your own son. And even though he didn't do it, so if the commandment did exist at the time, he would not have committed it. But he was prepared in his heart to do it, right? Uh, and God didn't—God God counted that to him as righteousness, not as uh, disobedience. Yeah.
1: It so the—I uh, mean it it all points to, as we know the story, it was pointing to the sacrifice of God of his own son. Right. And so, you know, we we have the benefit of kind of seeing the end of the story or the rest of the story, so to speak. Uh, And that makes sense uh, as to why he was willing to give Abraham such a command and Abraham being willing to be obedient to such a command um, it points expressly to what we find in in God being willing, and and further solidifies why God chose Abraham. Um, we don't have a record, for example, to say that He did this with with uh, Methuselah, you know, or any other figure or name you want to apply. What we have is this record of this action and activity that took place with God and Abraham. And we are able to witness how that very act was the same act that God performed in keeping the promise that he made to Abraham. And that's just, to me, that's that's just astounding, Uh, just an abounding of love and grace That I think sometimes we lose sight of, you know, and forget. Uh, Anyhow, I won't belabor anything there. But no, again, I think you're right. You're right, Isaac. The first thing you expressed was, well, what exactly do we mean by the word paradise? Uh, Yeah, you know that that has to be has to be vetted out. So we have to pause. We have to look up the word. We have to. Um, I won't do that now because I want you to be able to have the time that you need, and then as as we go along here, we can click back on some of these and, and figure out what we need to you know,
2: understand. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, okay. Yeah, so all these scriptures that we're going over are all things that seem to, or at least possibly apply to death, right? what happens after death, if anything. Uh, so just, just to make sure that we're keeping that context, and so until we get through these scriptures and then revisit them and talk about each one of them, I guess, yeah. to me at least, the, the question of what it all means is will will remain open. Uh, so next, we have... Luke 16:19. This is a long one. Everybody's heard this before. The rich man and Lazarus. So, right before this, so Jesus is telling a story. He's not, as far as we know, he's not giving a history lesson. Uh, but maybe he is. I don't know. Um, Right before this uh he says anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery so he's uh reiterating law all right and then he, in 19 he gets into the story of the rich man and lazar uh and lazarus so but I don't know if it says in here anywhere whether this is history or a story, but it's Jesus talking, so I'll just read it. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen hold, hold, and lived hold, in hold, hold on.
1: Hold yeah. on, hold on, Isaac. Um, uh, I, I I I agree with what you did there with setting the table, so to speak. But let's set it even a little bit broader, because remember, as we begin sixteen, he's speaking to his disciples specifically regarding you know, the various things that have been going on here since, you know, chapter 15 probably and, and perhaps even beyond that. But then it was the Pharisees there in 14, uh, 16, 14, that said, and the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. Now we have a better understanding of what it is That's to follow because he's, yeah, if that makes sense, you know, we, you can understand why somebody responds some way. It's kind of like I was having the conversation, you know, you can't understand why somebody is deriding you for something if they do not know you well enough or they do not know enough or if they castigate others. Without knowing them, they're casting too wide of a net and casting dispersions where they ought not go, and so the Pharisees here—they were—they were—they were cut by those comments that he was making. They were specifically, obviously, geared for them, and then in their derision of him, uh, he responds, and I think that's that's important to the response. You know, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll just start at 14. Yeah, that's good. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. The law and prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who, I haven't heard that in church recently, (laughs) anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Then 19. There was a rich, so yeah, your point then is that uh, the Pharisees were verbally attacking him, and this seems pretty likely that this is a uh, a direct response to what they were saying this is uh, Jesus kind of dropping the mic right on um, them <laughs> There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell out uh, fell from the rich man's table even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich now, this term Abraham's side and um, is or, or Abraham's uh, bosom, in some some areas is like key to a lot of this, right? This is what a lot of people are pointing at and saying uh, there's an afterlife, right? Uh, that you go to now, and it's not heaven, so. I'm not saying that I believe that, but that, that uh, phrase, Abraham's side, is a big one. So the time came when the beggar died and angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away. Uh, that's interesting, too. He looked up, right? Um, when I've tried to read other people's interpretations, or, or, yeah, I'm just going to say interpretations of this uh this the this situation right here. They make it sound like he looked like like uh the rich man looked over. They're both in the same spot basically separated by some distance and Abraham's just over on one side of the lunchroom while this guy's on the other side of the lunchroom, right? Um this, in this translation at least it says that he looked up. Uh, maybe toward heaven. I don't know. The rich man also died. Let's see. So uh, 23, in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in his fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received Your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to come from here, uh, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And I'll keep reading because this is all really a really good description of whatever this place is, at least in this story. So, um, he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And I think we can stop there. So this is, at very least, a fictional story from the mouth of Jesus describing a place where dead people reside and think and talk and apparently have arguments. (laughs) So... Uh, the open question, I suppose, that are one of the big open questions questions is, is this Jesus giving a history lesson of something that happened? Did Abraham actually say this? And Jesus is just using it as an example uh, for these uh, Pharisees. Or is he making up a story? Um, we know, as far as I know, we know that... Uh, Um, a lot of uh, parables that Jesus speaks are made-up stories, right? They're examples. Um, Maybe they're not. Maybe all of those things are just history lessons, but uh, my interpretation of a lot of them is that they're made-up stories, and so this could be another made-up story. It could be a parable, right? Uh, But if it's not, if it's a history lesson...
1: Or or it could be allegory. Yeah. It could be allegory. Remember that an allegory is a symbolic representation. So whether doctrines, parables, allegories, visions, prophecies, or metaphors, we have to remember we cannot be misled to interpret them contrary to the laws of God or contrary to the biblical historical record. So... Allegory, parable—you know—a parable is a is is a telling of a story. In 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 ways in which um, those there at the time would um, receive the story, Uh, it it makes sense for them in their day. Uh, You know, you would use agrarian type analogies and servant analogies today we could use you could use for example you you just gave us a computer analogy a couple of weeks ago you know and a parable if you will teaching us how to look at it from a programmer's perspective so yeah it could be allegory also and as i say allegory is a symbolic representation and you see a symbol in abraham You see a symbol in Abraham's bosom, because being in Abraham's bosom means you are close to the Father, you know, and other things like that. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, yeah. Kind of as an aside, I think something that's really interesting here that I was, you know, I was kind of just thinking about while I was studying this uh, for for this particular scripture, and uh, another one that we'll get to is this idea that if this is a Uh, if this isn't history, uh, uh, that Jesus will put actual words into a dead person's mouth. Um, I think that's interesting. Like no matter how you take it, that's kind of fascinating. If Abraham never said this, God's pretending he said something that he never said. Right. So do you take that? I mean, we can't say that's a lie. Uh, Abraham never never said this, but Jesus said he did say it. So I think that's is an interesting thing to consider. Yeah. Or or you have to say, well, God can say whatever he wants. Tough luck, he made the rules. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think I think that's kind of fascinating, and this isn't the only example of that. Uh, all right, so. Stick a bookmark in that one, then. And next we have Matthew 27:52, uh, the death. So the death of Jesus. We'll start at 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Uh, what is that? Eli, Eli? and this is 51 at that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom the earth shook the rocks split and the tombs broke open the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life they came out of the tombs after jesus resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people so all i'm going to say about that is it's pretty interesting um I would not, I think the way this is worded, I wouldn't read this as being an event that, are events that occurred immediately at the moment that he died. Some of them did the temple, as far as I understand, split immediately, but um, it says they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, which would have been uh, three plus days later, right? Um, went into the holy city and appeared to many people, so I guess is... Unbelievable as that sounds, you know, there's a lot of things we believe that are unbelievable. So I'm going to take it, for, take it at face value and assume that some people that were dead came back to life and went back about their business. And I guess then I'll say, too, that that's not the first time that someone was brought back to life as far as we understand. Um, Jesus apparently raised a sick child, right? Right. Um, And this is another example of that. But it doesn't say, this does not give any, uh, as far as I can tell, any clarification to um, the state of these people after they died, before they were raised, but but I think it's pretty topical to uh, to note that that uh, this this can occur in certain situations. And you know, that's interesting. That goes back a little bit to um, what Russell was saying earlier uh, about uh, Jesus telling the uh, thief that he would be in paradise with him on that day. Uh, Jesus can make, Jesus makes the rules, and he might not even necessarily be breaking the rules. He might have made a rule saying that he can do this other thing, and he just never told us about it, right? <laughs> so uh, there well, might be a rule that me, Jesus can invite anyone he wants into paradise, and uh, he just didn't write it down for us.
1: I, I'm glad you said that because he, did, he was given all power and authority. Right, that's good. Um, to, tra- to transact, and that's part of what the parables are actually telling the Pharisees and so forth, is that he's been given all power and authority to transact on behalf of the Father. He is the, the man, or the, um, in, in the in the parables I'm drawing a blank on, on the master, that has gone away. And, and in the other parables as well, who who when he returns, they say, well let's let's kill him, otherwise he's going to take our place. You see, because that's what the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the days feared was that if this was indeed, um, then they were going to lose their place and their station because the Romans were going to say, well you guys you guys are nothing, you guys are you guys are out of luck man you're not the religious leader anymore this guy here is the religious leader and uh you know that was of a great fear and consequence to them if that was the case and so um going to that again as you as you are and thinking about that how how about the idea that it is exactly that he's able to say Something that we think literally today you're going to be with me in paradise. But to say that today, Isaac, you and I are going to be together. Okay. Now you think that I'm coming to where you're at. But what if we're going to be together in a way that we're not thinking, in a way that spiritually we are today together. So that is another essence of, of, of looking at those words that are being conveyed, which don't have to be contrived into, well, he can change rules or he can't change rules. Really, it comes down to a way of looking at things, a way of, in a spiritual sense that Christ would likely mean it is that you've you've made that confession to me today. Today, that confession puts you with me. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it does. See what we have, and so next. i I try,
1: yeah I, I just try not to see, well, gee, do I have to bend a rule, or do I have to get him to do something that's out of character or anything else, or am I looking at it in a way that you know it's inappropriate you know to uh, view it and so forth but, it, yeah,
2: sure,
0: getting back to fifty two quickly, uh, what if we just believe it the way it's written? And, um, and realize that at this place in history, this happened. Deal with it. Follow the science. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: well I, it, but I think, I think what Isaac was saying as far as 52, though, is that the next verse says, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, And that is something that I have, you know, been taking a lot of time to kind of look at over the past, you know, few years from time to time. And now that we're in this study here, Isaac bringing this up, I've definitely, um, and and I haven't fully vetted all of my thoughts to you men before on Matthew 24 and all of my thoughts to you on Revelation. but when it, – it, it ties together because, once again, we are told in Matthew 24, um, and Isaac, you had gotten to Matthew twenty three forty three, And so the next thing that we have to look at, you know, was just a few verses later, which were the, uh, the Luke, signs of We the did end. Luke twenty three forty three. 43. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, I was just thinking about Matthew 24 before and, and thought it was, yeah, that's right, Luke 23. All right, so it, it scratched that, but it, it made me think once again about so many other things. Like I said to you a few weeks ago, in, in discussing what happens when one dies, we're actually having to discuss more about what happens at the resurrection. And it brings this issue here that you just uh, brought us to in, in Matthew 27, 46 to 52, because here, we have something that definitively, as Russell said, appears to have happened. And if we are being told that everything has been future in so many things like even Matthew 24 and Revelation, um, and we're taking it in a context of a future, ignoring the clear scripture in Matthew 24, where – there's a time element involved in, time, in, in Matthew 24 when he talks about signs of, of, the end, of the end, the end days, the end times, latter days, latter you know, uh, points of time. So once again, this scripture gets often overlooked because how many times are we talking about the apocalypse or what, the zombie apocalypse you know, uh, actually occurring Because, you know, this is what it would appear like. This is, you know, this would be a movie right out of Spielberg or something, you know. And, um, but Matthew is clearly conveying that this is to happen. And it is to happen after his resurrection. And how many times do you hear the church talking about those who Matthew conveys Rose from the grave and went about talking to all sorts of people all over the place. Can you imagine what a monumental, uh, monumental thing that would have been, and how that would have turned the world upside down even more than even the apostles. You know, right, yeah. let me um,
0: yeah. let me sh- let me shed some light real quick in Latin. The word uh, tomb, tomba, uh, is similar to the Greek word timbos. And here's the part that's groundbreaking, it means a burial mound, <laughs> a grave yep. or a tomb. So, so we're not going to, that's what the words say, isn't it? And the is. burial grounds were open. Yep. So we've got to be talking about. Zombies as far as we know That have been energized I mean I i don't mean zombies is a bad thing I, I think more like they were just Brought to life
1: So this right I don't I don't either But I yeah I'm, I'm using our Modern day language this would be like The zombie apocalypse that Everybody you know has heard about And and everything because of uh, Of the way it's been portrayed Um this is this is clearly not the first time that bones have been made alive. They were made alive in the Book of Ezekiel. Yeah.
2: I'll have to go back and read it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll. I'll leave that. I'll leave that
2: there to simmer. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: but isn't, but isn't this a good example of? Here it is. We're all reading it in somewhat probably different translations, <laughs> but it's right before us. And the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, which we we must conclude death they were brought back to life. Now with God that's possible, isn't it?
1: Absolutely.
0: But not with Doug yet.
1: <laughs>
0: or Russell. Or Isaac. Rich.
1: Well well, I, I I'm not yet dead, Russell, but <laughs> but uh, no, it's just it's just absolutely you know it, um, yeah, but the thing that should, we're not being this doesn't get much discussion in the modern church, does it? No. but yet, but yet it's a significant part of the gospel story. Now even that word Saints there, okay? To understand that word saints, now, I I didn't punch that scripture in, but I've done it before with the word saints. And that saints, that word saints, there's only one people in the biblical record that were ever referred to as the saints of God. So that's a whole nother thing. When we read these words translated the way they are, and understand them for what they are, then what we're experiencing is that he not only resurrected himself, but also brought to newness of life those that were dead before. Because how many times have you guys being baptized believers had people say to you, well, I don't know that any of these other people were baptized, so... Are you saying that those people are not saved or, you know, whatever? But your answer, you see, at the time of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you have your answer right here in this scripture. It's amazing what happens when you go to study one simple little subject, one simple little topic, how, the Holy Spirit opens up something a whole lot more to you than you ever bargained for.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a good point. The, The word saints means that these aren't all people that are, these aren't just people that passed away the day before and they can just like hop back up and get back to it you know it's not like like dozens of saints just died right these are people that have probably been dead for a while yeah sorry go ahead
0: what if it said uh, and many of the bodies of the sacred uh, or special Uh or you know, a different category of
1: all people. Well, I I don't have to change the word, and I I don't mean to to rain on your thought there, Russell, but let's Uh just leave the word exactly as it is, because it says the same. And that is supposed to conjure in our mind. See, when you now look at all these questions about death, that Paul and Peter and James and the apostles are addressing, why are they addressing this subject? Because this subject was on their minds. On the minds of who? On the minds of the people that had been told that the God of Jacob Israel was going to be a God to them forever, and they would not taste of death Yet all they kept seeing was everybody they knew died. And it was challenging everything that they knew, even David himself. Peter has to tell those people, David is dead. This is 50 days after the resurrection, the day of Pentecost. That's what Penta means, 50.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't looked up in a saint according to uh, to the dictionary. It simply means a holy relic, holy or consecrated. So what difference does that make? Uh, yeah, these were not Tom, Dick and Harry's. These were saints, weren't they?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think like what was being alluded to is these were Israelites, right? There's there's no question about that, regardless of what you believe now about who you think who you believe uh, is is saved or is eligible to be saved or whatever. Um, the the Holy Spirit hasn't ascended on anyone, as far as is described here. Jesus. Died and was resurrected, and then this happened. It does. I mean, maybe uh, the Holy Spirit was uh, gifted to the apostles uh, in the kind of in the subtext here. Maybe it wasn't. It does. It just. It doesn't say. Um, but up, uh, it, it had to be. It had to be Israelites. It, it absolutely
1: yeah. did and it absolutely was and as I say um, I, I'm just now pulling up Matthew twenty-seven fifty-two, 52 um, and I'm going to go to the Strong's uh, on that and I am confident because I, I've done that before even in Revelation for example the word saints is used so uh, you know we could just think in our mind, the saints. Okay, these were special people, or whatever. I, you know, what does he mean by the saints? Well, it's Strong's Greek number fifty. Uh, excuse me, number uh, Strong's Greek number forty. It's hagion, and it means set apart by or for God, holy, sacred, from hagos, meaning sacred, hagion. That's, that is not inconsequential. That is absolutely fundamental to the knowledge and understanding of who those were that rose from the grave.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I looked up the word raise, and it simply means to bring into being. You know, what was once not is now Made into being, just like he did with Lazarus, wasn't it? Which one When really he said, wake up? Lazarus. Wasn't that, uh, who?
1: Lazarus. Well, he said, now, come Lazarus. forth, Lazarus, if, if that's what you need.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He brought him back into being or existing.
1: Now... Now, now that you brought up Lazarus being raised from the dead, I'd like to segue back to the scripture that Isaac read to us regarding... Yeah, just for... In Luke Luke uh,
2: 6. Just just, uh, kind of so you know where we're at here, I have two, two more scriptures. And so, yeah, we definitely have enough time to move around and discuss some of this.
1: Well, yeah, and I just wanted a quick segue back again with with the 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 uh, reference made in Luke sixteen about the story. So now, isn't it easy for us to put this as an allegory and say Christ is conveying this very thing to these Pharisees? Look, Lazarus is going to die as 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 a beggar or a poor man, whatever Lazarus is going to die, he's going to come back from the dead, and you're still not going to believe him. Are you following me? Yeah,
0: that's heavy, man.
1: Now, now, <laughs> I I you see you see what I'm saying. Now we could go through this uh, to that particular scripture and so forth, and we could look for the timelines. And try to get it all time lined out to see whether or not that that occurred um, you know subsequent to him speaking these things in in matthew twenty seven and again, I'm just off the cuff here I, I I could go back It could be that and and one more thing I don't mean to digress on myself here, but one more thing about all this is remember there were no chapters of this scripture. The scriptures were put together in chapters and 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 verses and so forth. So we've had people who've studied this with doctorates and so forth that have said some of these things are out of um, timeline time, so to speak. You know, in yeah. other words, Matthew is seems to be recording things in in whatever sequence, but they're just they're just. They're just what they are. And so we have to come to the conclusion that we can have different events occurring different times and and they were recorded in a sequence of memory or recordings as the way the, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John wrote them down. Okay. Does that make sense? Go ahead. Isaac, I need, I need 30 seconds. Uh,
0: because, I think we've got because
2: it. Because
0: of <laughs> Because of what Doug just said, in the event, and we have to believe this did happen, it wasn't going to change anybody's mind, was it, necessarily, about their lives?
1: That's
2: what he's he's telling them. That that, uh, ought to speak to us pretty loud and clear, too uh, not, not just to those Pharisees. Um, I mean, I don't know, I won't speak for anyone else, but I've often wondered like, man, can you just make this way more obvious than it is, please? (laughs) And here you go. Here's the scripture that says why you're not getting it any more obvious than it is because he can have a dead person come knock on your door and, walk through your house it, and you're still not going it, to have any more faith than you did before.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. It's something more than seeing is believing, isn't it? Yeah. It's something deep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have faith, I mean, if, if that happened, if you saw that, then you could believe without faith.
0: Well, perhaps, right? You wouldn't have to take call- any leap at all. Say again? Perhaps it's, calling. Perhaps it's a calling. Period.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's
2: hit those other two. All right. Where are we? I almost lost this one. Um, this is another important one. Um, let's see... Matthew, it's another Matthew one, so, you know, again, we're kind of working our way backwards, Matthew 17:3. So this is the transfiguration. Uh, after six days, Jesus took within Peter, James, uh, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. Yeah, I think I would be too. (laughs) But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, "Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead." And I think we can stop there. So this is another question. This one is, uh, I don't, I don't think that I can read into this anything other than this is uh, history. Um, I, I think that they went up the mountain with Jesus and the transfiguration happened. And the question is, uh, was, were Moses and Elijah there? Um, and if they were there physically, then what does that mean? And I don't know the answer. And I don't expect anyone else to know the answer either.
0: Thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, it does. I, yeah, I like I like the words, and I'm going to rest on the words Jesus Himself charged them. What the King James reads and in verse nine, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them. So that's. That's a command. Mm-hmm. And in what he is saying, um, uh, tell the vision. Tell the vision. Not television. tell a vision. Tell the vision to no man. So am I wrong to understand this is vision?
2: So let's see, I'm gonna do New American Standard. See
1: we, we sometimes yeah, go ahead. concentrate we sometimes concentrate on something that we're not supposed to concentrate on. So we're concentrating on the transfiguration, and then when he says, Tell the vision to Noah, it was important, obviously, for those to be with him and to see the vision as Christ refers to it. Go ahead, on your New American. Uh,
0: yeah. Dictionary simply means uh, that he changed. So he changed right in front of him, just like Doug said. There was a change, and they describe the change, don't they? Yes. So we we know what the change was. And uh, so that sounds pretty easy to grasp, doesn't it?
1: Did the uh, New American have something else, uh, Isaac, that you
2: were? Uh, it does use the it does use the word vision as they're coming down, so that's pretty interesting. The uh, pre, the other one that I read, I think, is New International Standard or New International Version, um, and it did not. It said w- what you had seen. It does not describe it as a vision, so that's a pretty interesting difference. Um, I don't see well, the well, use I, of the word. I, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't see I that word. If it, go ahead. I I don't see the word vision being used previous to the, them coming down the mountain. So as it's being described, it sounds like it's just, it's just describing an event, you know. And I think it's and, and, interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what I was just going to say too. Yeah. Um, Uh, Whether NIV uses language like that, I don't necessarily have a particular problem with it because, yeah, tell the event to nobody. Whatever you've seen, you don't tell anybody. Um, That was the point. There was a point in them being there. There was a point in him making it known that they were not to. This, you know, I I believe along the way I can see in the New Testament that that God – Jesus um, conveyed certain things at certain times to help these apostles along in their own unbelief. And so I see no reason why to not understand this as aiding them in the little things that help them to stay strong in their belief. I guarantee you this, as you said earlier, Isaac, if I were to see this vision, you know, it would mean something to me. And especially when I'm here with this man whom I really believe is indeed the Messiah. And, you know, there's always those doubts, just like Peter himself said, he, you know, he would never deny him, but yet did and didn't understand at the time that he was, even though he's doing it. So, so our carnal nature is to be in disbelief. So I, I clearly can see this, another one of the biblical examples where um, they've they've been allowed to witness this transfiguration. What was the point of it? I don't know that I've ever really done a study on it. Yeah. So, you know, um, nor have I... That can I really say that I've ever looked at any commentaries on it uh, as to, um, you know, w- you know, just think about it. Well, okay, so what was the point of Jesus having a conversation with Elijah and Moses? You know, or I think I got this. I got your answer, Doug.
0: Uh, okay. I got <laughs> your answer. <laughs>
2: oh, thank goodness.
0: He had to transfigure to get through the portal, didn't you know that?
2: Well, well,
1: he he actually transfigured uh, through the portal, I guess is uh, what you're saying, and uh, and they well, could they could they they were looking into the portal then.
0: Well, there's obviously a supernatural thing going on here that that doesn't happen all the time that we know about, so.
2: So anyway, now we know what what's next. Yeah. Okay. Next. Trip. Yep. Uh. Yeah. The last one. So I think that's everything that I had found in the New Testament. But I I don't believe that that's everything. Uh, I think those are. No, I wouldn't even say those are the big ones. Uh, that's what I found. Um, so. Now we can go back to the Old Testament for one and okay,
1: can, can, I, can I hold you yeah. can, I, can I hold you hold you for a second so what uh, were the thoughts what were the thoughts regarding why the Transfiguration had something to do with death uh, what was the, the oh connection? the
2: or? it's not necessarily the Transfiguration it's that uh, Moses and Elijah uh, appeared to be there oh, okay, uh, and yeah. what does that what does that mean for uh their state of existence i up up until that that point uh everybody up until the point that that was written, that was told to people everybody would have believed that whatever happened to moses and elijah was what happened right if if the belief was that they died and they're they're in their graves then then they show up then people would have kind of had their minds blown. Like, you know, that changes yeah. our understanding of where they are, what their state is. So that's well, why see, I now, was bringing that up.
1: That's, that's, yeah, and that's the reason I questioned it because, you see, I've had a question in my mind over the years um, about the transfiguration story and record here because um, Elijah, you recall, was taken and was no more. And so I I began to consider that the reason it was Elijah and Moses, because they knew Elijah was taken and they knew Moses was dead. And the scripture said that Elijah must, and and the scripture said that Elijah must come, remember? And Jesus said to the Pharisees, Elijah indeed must come, but he's already come. And then they understood him to be saying that Elijah was John the Baptist. And so they didn't believe the Elijah having been taken and was not dead. So they're caught in this conflict. And this is another part of the whole New Testament story. They're caught in this conflict in their own minds. They believe in a resurrection, but they don't believe in a resurrection. I think I've covered this in some messages that I've done in the archives too, Um, the historical record and context here is different groups, whether it was the Essenes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Gnostics, there were all of these different factions and different groups, just like we have today, and they believed different things. Some of them believed in the resurrection. Some of them did not believe in the resurrection at all. Um, And so in the context of all of that, I looked at this and and in my mind said this must have been so that they would actually see Christ in this vision preparing to converse or conversing or whatever, because there's, there's essentially Peter interrupts the vision. I wish Peter would have sat down and shut up so I could have heard more about the story. (laughs) But, but, but Peter decides he's going to build a tabernacle, you know, and, uh, and says that it's good for them to be there. But I, I've always considered that, and I said, you know, it had to be Elijah was taken. Moses was dead. They know Moses. There's, there is no doubt Moses is dead. In fact, this could be the only thing I could wrestle with in my mind that would make sense as to why the transfiguration so that they would actually see it was that they had one from the dead one who who went and that was the essence of it we just are naturally making an assumption that wherever elijah was moses was also and i don't know that i can make that assumption or uh-huh. make that interpretation i've just got a, a vision pretty good point. of the t- i've just got a vision yeah. with these two together with christ and to me it's sufficient Moses, just like in the story that we're talking about of Lazarus, once again, he tells them they will have Moses and the prophets. If they won't, you know, if they won't believe Moses and the prophets, why would they ever believe Lazarus being raised from the dead? And he even used Lazarus' name in the allegory. Just. It's just beautiful. It mm-hmm. you talk about gene, you talk about genius, Russell. That's it, isn't yeah. it? And
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what else just kind of occurred to me that's really interesting here in the story of Lazarus. Jesus is telling the the Pharisees basically that if I raised somebody from the dead, you saw that it would not make any difference to you because you're you don't believe, right? But in this yeah. case, he has. Two believers with them, and they got to see something even far greater than a zombie, (laughs) right? Absolutely.
0: And it doesn't say that they transfigured, but they must have to, to be able to to appear. I don't know. All I can think of is beam me up, Scotty. You know. Well,
1: here's here's another question how did Peter, James, and John uh, have any idea what Moses looked like? That's a good question, (laughs) too. (laughs) He had the staff, right?
0: Or what? what? You're forgetting about how they introduced themselves. They left that out. I'm Moses. This is my friend, Elijah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're all are caricatures of themselves, right? Everybody knows Moses has the tablets and he has yeah. the staff, so they just knew. just
1: knew. There you go. Well,
2: and and well, I would say
1: uh, some Holy Spirit in in imputation.
2: That makes a lot of sense is, too, doesn't it?
0: This is much more than John three sixteen. You're talking about.
2: Yeah.
1: It's a uh, it's
0: some pretty meaty. Stuff. Meaty subjects, isn't
1: it? It is, and it's downright fun.
0: Yeah. Well, you gonna throw us another bone, Isaac? Uh,
2: the last thing I was gonna bring up was Ecclesiastes uh, nine ten, and I guess quick, I wanted to say there, so. There's, I didn't find. I mean, there there's a lot of Old Testament scripture that seems a lot easier to just read and comprehend. There are mountains more, right, than what we went over in the New Testament. Um, But they all seem, the ones that I found all seem pretty cut and dry. You die, it's basically like like being asleep. Um, And so I didn't really feel it was necessary to go over a lot of those uh, here. Because I wasn't able to get any like much more extra information out of it. Um, but if anyone else comes up with good examples, I'd love to hear them. Um, but the the ones that I went over in the New Testament, they those are scriptures where they seem to be adding. Some of them seem to be adding a lot of interesting facts uh, to our understanding or ex- extra context at least. So I picked this one out of Ecclesiastes because I felt like it. Um, Reflected a lot of the other scriptures in the Old Testament. Um, and since we're running out of time, I won't back up too far. Um, I'll just start at 7. Uh, oh, I should back up a little further.
1: You can just do 10. I think that's, nice. that's the context that we need anyway.
2: All right. Uh, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might for the realm of, if we're in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. And yeah, that's it. That I mean I'm pretty sure everyone here and everyone listening is uh, taking a nap or two in their lives when you go to sleep, you're unconscious. Um, and you don't control when you wake back up. Um, and that's kind of what this sounds like to me. So that's it. That's everything I've got. Um, I don't have any conclusions, but well, I do have a conclusion. You know, the, at the very least, I think based on the first.
0: huh. Let, let me read it uh, out of the New American Standard. Whatever okay. your hands find to do truly do it with all of your might for there is no activity or planning or wisdom in Sheol where you are going
2: yeah yeah boy it sounds boring
1: yeah King (laughs) James says yeah and that's what I kind of dealt with uh, a week or so ago is that uh, and I'll summarize it I mean we can cut to the chase with the Old Testament completely there is not a place In, in fact Um, I'll throw a scripture out, Job 3.17 and 18, 3.17, 18, 19. Um, I'll throw that scripture out, and then people can go to that uh, during the week here or whatever. But um, whether it's Job, whether it's Solomon and Ecclesiastes, whether it's David, there is not a place you can find anything in the Old Testament other than, in, in, in fact, the scripture that I give you in Job, chapter 3, 17 to 19, Job not only confesses that he has a redeemer, he also, if I gave you the right scripture that that's in, I'm just going from memory one of them. Uh, and it, it was huge to me in terms of that because at, at 3, 18, um, well, let me just quick go to it. Uh, hold on, Russell, we'll get you out of here. Uh, Job <laughs> chapter 3, um, Job chapter 3, I just want to make sure. Okay, this had to do with the prisoners. I'm sorry, and I did cover this a little bit at the opening here. Uh, It had to do with the word prisoners. And so here again, once again at 318, you have the prisoner uh, reference that you find so often in Paul's writings, these prisoners, prisoners, prisoners. We are prisoners of death. I hope that everybody can receive that and understand that. We are prisoners of death, not by God's design and choosing. We are prisoners of death because sin is the transgression of the law, and with sin comes death. And um, God is willing to take that away. He is willing to take that sin away by giving his only begotten son, himself coming in the flesh in the form of his only begotten son, laying himself down, and being able, as a blood-kin redeemer, being able to redeem us. That's another thing that's not insignificant, that blood kin redeemer that we often forget about that's in the law. So he fulfilled that as well. But anyhow, um, it tells us there the prisoners rest together. They hear not the voice of the oppressor. The small and the great are there, and the servant is free from his master. And, um, you know, that's, that's the essence of the grave. That's the essence of, of death. Um, and Job sought it because he was in such affliction. He, he sought for death, but he also told us that his redeemer, uh, lived because in Job chapter 14, uh, so we'll go to some old Testament scriptures then next week and talk about some of these, these things that, uh, so the essence of the old Testament, there is many places in there where they didn't, they didn't go to the, they didn't go to the grave. Go ahead. Right. No, I don't I think anyone had anything. Something. Okay.
0: Isaac, did, if... uh, uh, did you do your summary?
2: I, to me, a really clear conclusion that I can draw from any of this is based on one of the first scriptures we read a couple of weeks ago uh, in Revelations that says it's describing a, few, a point in the future. Um where all of the dead uh, will be raised. Uh, I don't think that's happened yet. I don't think that uh, everyone that's ever passed is, all the good people that have ever passed are walking around in heaven with Jesus right now. That seems pretty clear to me. So that's that's, uh, the one conclusion that I think I'm willing to state right now.
1: Oh well, you didn't, you didn't have to make confession or anything here. Yet, so. Oh no, I know, but
2: <laughs> but I'm just that's that's kind of the. I mean, what's you know what's the point of going over all of these scriptures if you don't get anything out of it? So that's what I've pulled out of it so far.
0: Right. right. I appreciate Got you doing you. that, Isaac. Uh, doing that because it does take work, and if anybody doesn't think it does, they can have next Tuesday night, right, Doug?
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's well, like, I'll tell you know. what. I'll give, I'll give, I'll give him a break. I've got a few things that I can cover then next week, and Rich probably has a few things that he'd like to cover, and and uh, they can have the week after. So um, yeah. you know, that gives them a little a more break. a little more time to get ready.
0: <laughs> it will take some effort on your part to have some message. It does.
1: It does. And you know, study to show yourselves approved. Um, nobody has it all figured out, and oh. um,
0: we're trying.
1: Exactly, exactly. And uh, he's wherever two or more are gathered in his name, he's there in our midst. So let's uh, let's close with that. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for the wonderful opportunity for two of us to come together or more and be there with you and uh, we love you for that we we thank you for this monumental record you left us we trust in it we know things are bad times are bad we know the oppressors are oppressing heavily we know that you've been trying to teach us all this while holding us by the hand how not to be oppressed how to take your yoke upon us because it's white and the burden is, is, is inconsequential, but yet we seek to take our own burden by going man's way. And, and Father, we need your, your divine intervention here because the oppressors are, are bearing down and we know our sin has, has led us into this, the cause and effect of denying, rejecting, casting aside your, your word, your commands, your law structure so cavalierly. And Father, we repent. And we know there's nothing but a remnant of years that, that's going to be remaining from what these wicked oppressors seek to do. We're seeing it. It's inevitable. Father, we pray for your intervention at any time. Let us be used uh, of you to carry out your will. Father, we know you're using us now by teaching us and training us and getting us in your word. We know that that is part of it. But any way that you seek to use us, as, as Isaiah said, here I am, use me. And, Father, I know that there's not a one of us here that would not want that so that we could carry out your will in whatever way you would instruct and, and, and seek for us to do it at this late hour and in this, in this terrible time that we find ourselves in of forsaking you. So, Father, please continue with us. Father, we thank you for the abundant blessings you've been providing on those that have been in medical needs with the COVID issue, the, with the accident for Hannah, and just thankful for all the things that you continue to do. Father, we just thank you so much for knowing, in spite of ourselves and the ill effects that we sometimes have on each other and our, our ways that are not your ways, we just thank you for being there to provide grace, love, and the hope for all of us that we can endure to the end and win the race for the king. Father, we ask these things, we pray these things, call upon you daily for all our sustenance as these times get very strange. And we ask for your divine help in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Good night, everybody.
1: Uh, good, night. good night. Good night, all guys. Thanks, Isaac.